Hey everyone, Jeremy here. Uh, before we get started with the show, uh, I wanted to make a short announcement regarding our live show on January 21st. If you're going to be in the Bowling Green area, Bowling Green, Kentucky that is, and you want to be a part of a real live studio audience, why don't you come on down? Uh, and if you guys are interested in coming to the show, send us a DM on Instagram and we'll give you the details. But yeah. We are super excited, and we're pretty much wrapping up 2022 uh, with our third annual Staple Awards. So, also, at the beginning of this week, uh, Listener Choice Bracket, that's going to be going on in our Instagram stories, so be watching out for that, uh, and vote for your favorite movie we covered this year. And with all of that information, I say let's get on with the show. And welcome back to Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the staples of our childhood. This is episode 77. I'm your host, Jeremy, and with me today is my older brother, Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Quack, quack, everybody. Welcome back to Inside Quotes. We're here. It's a new year. Happy 2023. Happy 2023. We're finishing up our year three of the podcast, as Jeremy just mentioned. We're looking forward to the Staple Awards next week, but we still got one more movie to cover. And Jeremy, I actually have a special guest, actually, I just wanted to surprise you, you with. You do not. For this episode. All right, I, let me just bring him in here real quick. Ready? <laughs> Dude, okay, so I... <laughs> somehow I knew you were going to do that, I but... In the past five minutes, I completely forgot you ex- that thing existed. <laughs> I thought you were gonna like do like a Hugh Jackman clip or something with one of the actors. <laughs> yeah, take it away, It's going to be a bumpy ride. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. <laughs> <laughs> the heart and soul of this movie, right here. That's what right. What's that thing's name? I was just gonna ask you that. <laughs> it's just the shrunken head. The that goat. Is awesome shrunken head not literally a goat but like the best shrunken head on the night bus the official tonal shift of these <laughs> harry potter movies um but yeah so we're covering the 2004 critically acclaimed harry potter film harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban the third installment not azkaban prison <laughs> yeah so this i'm I like to come up with a superlative for every single Harry Potter movie that we cover. And this one was super easy for me. Uh, This one is probably the most beautiful Harry Potter movie. Mm. Of all the movies, this is the most beautiful. Most Um, artsy-fartsy? Artsy-fartsy if you want to go that way. But also, I I mean, I'm obviously going to say this is objectively the best film. Of the Are of you? the eight movies, I, yeah, because you can't not. I mean, what what other movie contends with this when it comes to 
cinematography. Well, that's a different argument. So you can get into the cinematography and say that that is the best cinematography. Is it the best movie? For me, I'm going to say no. We can, we can jump into that maybe later on, but All right. uh, yeah, just off the bat, I do agree with you. It is very, uh, all, all the shots are very sure. well framed. The cinematography is really great. I mean, if you think of like, like a trailer or, you know, not necessarily a trailer, but if you just see like footage that is like a compilation of video of the Harry Potter series, I feel like you're going to use a lot of clips from this movie that are just like iconic shots. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, like, what is, in your opinion, like, what's the most, like, artsy or, like, cinematic shot that, like, stands out to you in this movie? The one Hogsmeade scene where it is, like, you are the camera. The, char- the camera is played, the camera is a paid actor in this film. Mm-hmm. And you're just going down Hogsmeade following Neville's lollipop as the perspective. <laughs> uh, and... That is the coolest shot in this. I, I, well, there's more. There's multiple, but that's the one that sticks out for me. Yeah. And then I already know what you're going to say about yours, but you what am I going to say? say? <laughs> but you're going to say your favorite one is the is the one shot and at the beginning of the movie. That is that is. I am a sucker for the good for the long one one take. Um, that's actually not what I was going to mention. I was going to mention when uh-huh. Harry gets like left behind at hog you know the group's going off to hogsmeade mm-hmm. and he gets left behind and you've got that shot of him from behind and you see the clocks like pendulum like swinging back and forth yeah i always liked that now this it's it's so full of iconic shots iconic shots and i don't know this one between this one and the first movie i get the the warmest fuzzy feeling because the second one before this, you don't really get a warm, fuzzy feeling from it. You kind of get a, a dark, cold, slimy feeling. Even though it's a wonderful movie, you just can't help but think of snakes. Snakes? I don't know no snakes. <laughs> but the tone, the warm tone, is back. Warm tone? Because th- this, this was definitely like a tone shift. So I think it's interesting that you you are getting like the warm fuzzies from this one. Well, when I'm I get like the it's... the cold, icy Dementors kiss vibes from this one, yeah, it it's cold yet warm at the same time. Hmm. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a. This is a comfort movie for me. Uh. Between this one and the first one, I would say that these are my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. And this is probably my favorite movie, with or without it being objectively the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into that throughout the rest of them. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. This one is just so good. I remember seeing this one in theaters as the others. but um, But this one I just remember like, Oh man, they're not taking themselves too seriously. This one's kind of funny, um, but it's still like I don't know. Th- this is the movie that made me want to go to Hogwarts the most, if that makes sense. I don't know. And you know what this movie makes me want to do, Jeremy? Makes what? me want to go to Hogsmeade a lot. 
Hogsmeade, Hogsmeade. Oh. You can't. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And what can you get in Hogsmeade? Only the finest sweets and practical jokes from Zonko's joke shop. That's Only, right. um, I don't know what else they got there. <laughs> Dervish and Bangs, maybe? No, that might be a... What's Dervish and Bangs? Is that Diagon Alley? Dervish and Bangs is, is the uh, Quidditch store, I thought. But that's Diagon Alley. Yeah. All right, we'll quit beating around the bush. We want to go to Hogsmeade for some butter beer. Mm-hmm. Or we can just go to our kitchen because I made the origins of butter beer today. The origins. Called hot buttered rum. Minus the rum. But still. Uh, it is an old-timey English drink that I looked up. Or Scottish drink, I'm not sure. Uh, but it is basically butter, brown sugar, some spices, rum, but in this case I use rum ext- extract. And then you pour hot water in, and then you put your little spirits in, or not. And then you top it off with some milk. And it is awesome. It's like a hot chocolate. But it's hot buttered rum. Mm, delicious. And, more importantly, that is the book-accurate version of Butterbeer. I will not stand for the stupid Universal Studios iced Butterbeer that they have. Mm. Although that is delicious, I won't stand for it. But I might stand in line for it. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> Do I disagree with their icing of the book accuracy? No, but am I still going to drink it? Absolutely, I will. I mean, it is delicious. I say so there's two options at the theme park. If you go to Harry Potter World Universal, there's there's the icy version. And then there's like the actual like from the tap, just yeah. like butterbeer drink with the foam on top, which is I've still always, cold, which is still cold, which is cold. Yeah, I always go for that. And people always are wondering why I get that. Like, I don't I don't know why I the idea of getting that in like icy form doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Uh, like I've tried it and I'm like, uh, I just like. I think I just like the foam. Yeah. I, went, I went there one time and they had like a little drip cup hanging underneath the foam dispenser yeah. and it was just filled with the foam. And I like, like asked, can I just buy that? I just asked the lady, can I have that cup instead? <laughs> she, she wouldn't give it to me. Uh, Probably because I was a muggle. Yeah. Um, the, the issue with giving out hot beverages outside in Florida is that mm. it is always... 90 degrees but there is a good two weeks of winter where they they break out the warm drinks do they really Uh, yeah yeah i went down there Mm. uh back when i worked at bush gardens they would let us in for free and uh yeah i would go and we would get the book accurate hot butter beer and it was so cozy because it was like floridian christmas like 50 degrees outside Mm -hmm. it was so perfect Man, with the foam and everything, but I would beg to differ that, I mean, this, <laughs> this is pretty good stuff I'm drinking right now. It's pretty dang good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look up a hot buttered rum recipe. It's kind of interesting because you kind of make like a batter, 
before you pour the water in. And it's not even water. It's super rich. It's literally just water and butter put together. <laughs> now that sounds gross now that I said that. But Anyways, move on, move on, move on. Do you have any stories uh, about uh, going to the theme parks or anything like that? Harry Potter world? Not really. I mean, yeah. Just the fact that we've been there. I found a wand box that I kept. No wand, but it was a it was a box. So mm-hmm. that was neat. Uh, yeah, I thought the chocolate frogs were pretty pretty mid. On it, yeah, very underwhelming. <laughs> uh, but it was cool to get go the card. down there. The best candy they have there is fizzing Whisbees. Mm. They're the chocolate and raspberry pop rocks, dragonfly looking things. They're awesome. But you got some stuff from there. I mean, I know we've gotten candy and and tried the different different things there. But um, did you get did you get a quaffle there? I did get a quaffle there, and I also got extendable ears, <laughs> which I have no idea where those are now. Um, yeah, I saved up all year for that first trip. <laughs> I got a quaffle right now above my uh, dresser. I remember when that opened, and I like intentionally was like, yeah. I'm not going to go there for at least two years because it's just going to be so busy. I think it opened like 2010 and I think I waited till like 2012 before like I made my first trip there, but I was, Oh man, it was really cool. I thought it came out in 2013. No, it was before that. Yeah. And you might be right. Maybe we didn't go till 2013. Yeah. I was going to say it's like 10 years old now. That's I mean, yeah, and the first time it was just the Diagon Alley side. They didn't even have the, uh, or not true. the Diagon. They had the Hogsmeade side. They didn't have the Diagon Alley side over in Universal. The first time that I went to Harry Potter World, um, I rode the, it was like the main ride there, like the Harry Potter's Forbidden Journey. It's like the main yeah. attraction. In the Hogwarts thing. In the castle. And, um, I went and like the line was like, it was going to be like 90 minutes, but we're like, this is what we're here for. Like if we don't do anything else other than like Harry Potter stuff, that's fine. <laughs> so what we got there. ride the Hulk and watch it break down on you. <laughs> so we, we decided like, okay, we'll do, we'll wait the hour and a half. Cause honestly, that's not even that. I mean, it's bad, but it's like, not like opening, normal. opening, you know, day bad where it's like hours and hours. Yeah. So we did that, and it's a cool wait. Like, you go through the castle, and, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, pictures on the wall, like moving pictures and decorations. You go through, like, next to, like, the herbology area as you're, like, outside, and then as you, like, get inside the castle. It's just really cool. It's a fun experience just waiting in line, which is nice. Yeah. Um, But we get about, like, an hour into the line, and an employee came up, and asked asked me like oh how many people are in your party and it was just me and my girlfriend at the time we were there together and then there was another group of two behind us in line and so he said okay you two and you two follow me and he like lifted up like oh what i don't know what it's called basically like lifted up the rope for us the to like banister. crawl under you know to crawl out of line and it's like okay follow me and so we're like okay and we follow him and it's just like we follow him like outside of the area into this like dark lit like hallway. And he's like, just follow me. And it was like this really long walk. And then finally, like we get to like an elevator 
And it was like this mm-hmm. very like dark, it was like a dark lit hallway with like fluorescent lighting. Like it was, it didn't even look like the ride anymore. Like it was oh. definitely just like, it looked real world. Like we were definitely out of the experience <laughs> oh, man. and it was like, okay, um, we come to this elevator. It's like, okay, just take, go in the elevator, take this down one floor. And then when you get out, follow that hallway all the way to the end and turn right. We're like, okay. And the guy didn't get <laughs> in with us. He just like told us to get in the elevator and then just left us. We're like, okay, what's going on here? I mean, we assumed like they were, you know, I don't know. There was like maybe a shorter line for single riders. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> so it was just us and this other couple and we go down, you know, down one level in the elevator and we get out. It's, you know, another fluorescent lighted, <laughs> like dim, grungy looking hallway that we just kind of with tile flooring. We just, you know, get out. We walk all the way down to the end of it, turn right. And there was like this whole like secret entrance with like a place for uh, riders to get on. And I was like, this has got to be like a VIP entrance for like celebrities and stuff. Yeah. That I like wouldn't have known about otherwise. I was like, I'm pretty sure the cast of Harry Potter has used this same elevator and like snuck onto the ride. Like, I'm pretty sure they had to have like when it first opened. You're so right. And and it was this thing. So we get in and it's like. I don't know if you if you're familiar with the ride, you get in the seats and you could just tell it was like a way of like when you got on the ride, they're like individual cars and they're not all connected. And it's just like you're on like a giant hockey puck and you just kind of move out mm-hmm. onto the floor <laughs> and you move from place to bounce around from place to place. Yeah. And so it just kind of like pushed us in in between like two of the other groups as if we were there the whole time. It was like this really weird thing, but like really cool. So. That was my experience. Like the first time I ever went to Harry Potter, I was just like, man, I feel like a a celebrity. I only had to wait an hour and they told us it was going to be 90 minutes. So, And you got to use the same door as all the celebrities that's been there. (laughs) You know, I thought I saw Rupert Grint there, but it was just dumb old Prince Harry. (laughs) (laughs) So... Do you you said you remember seeing this movie for the first time, Jeremy? I do. Do you remember um, the circumstances of seeing this movie? Not necessarily. Okay. Uh, I saw this movie for my birthday. Oh, okay. So this was one of our birthdays, classic birthdays, where we would meet up with friends at Krispy Kreme, mm-hmm. get some donuts, and then head on over to the theater, the movie co next door, and go see a movie. And... The weird thing about this one, the reason we were able to do that was because this was like a summer release. This movie came out June 4th. Right. And so I've got a June birthday. And the previous two movies... Take note, listener. <laughs> it's only uh, five, six months away. Take Mine note. is too. We have the same birth the month. <laughs> but um the first Time two out. came That's out in a good November. idea let's release our patreon in june and we'll guilt everybody into signing up for patreon for our birthday presents that's great. a great idea all right Here continue two dollars a month in patreon supported <laughs> by ourselves i'll pay you a um, dollar you pay me a dollar but yeah this was the the first one that like came out in the summer because the first two were like november releases so this one was already like was already a different feel because of that, I guess. 
And also it was a longer wait time. So there was only like a year between one and two. And then this one, I guess it felt like two years, but it was only like a year and a half. Summer 04. But I do remember this being like kind of a long wait, at least in my own head, of like, oh, when's this next movie coming out? It's not coming out in 03. I got to wait till 04 to to watch my my favorite book turned into a movie. Right. Because Prisoner of Azkaban was always like my favorite. Yeah. Uh, at least at the time. It, it was my favorite book for the longest time and my favorite movie. Like, this is so up there. Mm. But I've decided to get rid of my favorites for this round through. Uh, and I wanted to go at this series with an open mind. And maybe I'll change my mind. But, mm. yeah, I, I agree with you. This movie is top tier. But, yeah, I don't remember who all was there, but it was... I'm sure it was the gang of the usual suspects. I'm sure Paul was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we all went to go see this movie. Chamber of Secrets was scary. Okay. We've got a huge snake. Blood on the walls. Like, it's kind of a horror movie. But that has nothing to do with the scariness and the utter dread and fear that those Dementors caused me in the theater. Come on, dude. That was scary. How how old were you when this came out? Seven or eight. Yeah. And I just knew from the trailer, I was like, oh no, Dementors are coming. <sighs> yeah, I definitely uh, remember a lot of the, the news coverage at the time was like talking about this new movie coming out and, you know, the trailer had the Dementors in it and it was always, right. everything was talking about, I was like, Harry Potter's taking a dark tone, you know, in this new movie. Yeah. And, and I remember the the Dementors like getting, obviously getting like compared to like Ringwraiths from the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, like, yeah, the year yeah. before, a couple years before. I just figured they got a new acting gig. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I've seen that actor in something else. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, that was a bit. That was funny, but that's genuinely how I thought as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh now they now they moved into this movie. Okay, makes yeah. sense. We'll probably see them in Star Wars Episode 3 next. Who knows? <laughs> I know movies. <laughs> um, okay, so right off the bat, I'm scared of this movie more than the snakes in the second movie because one particular reason. Jonathan, I used to be terrified of dogs. Oh, yeah. Not Let, uh, let alone serial killer dogs on the run. <laughs> And right before Stan Shumpike came in and saved my boy Harry's life from that dog, whew, my my heart rate was up even before the Dementors. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then there's the werewolf scene, and then there's just like actually Sirius Black, the supposed to be the scariest idea character mm-hmm. of the movie. Like th- th- there's a bunch of scary themes and characters in this movie. And I For watched sure. it all. <laughs> but, yeah, that werewolf was like watching your, one of your favorite characters in all of Harry Potter at this point turn into the villain, temporary villain. Man, that, that was, what a twist. So this movie came out summer 2004. And this was an interesting time in the life of our family because... We were borderline homeless during this summer. 
not really. <laughs> Let me just preface that by not really. Yeah. But what happened? What what had happened was in beginning of beginning of 2004, our family like decided we need to upgrade to like a bigger house because you know it's me and Jeremy. We were sharing a room. Our two older brothers were sharing a room. Six people in a three bedroom house. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't you know we're all getting older. It was time like maybe we get some, you know, maybe me and Jeremy don't need to be sharing a bunk bed anymore. I don't know. You know, I was getting to be 12 <laughs> years old. So we ended up like putting the house on the market and it sold like way quicker than we could find another house. Yeah. And so like by, by basically like school ended, we had to like load all our stuff into a pod and we basically like lived out of a suitcase for like the summer. Because our dad's friend had this like one bedroom house in Spring Hill, Florida, which was like an hour away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you guys can stay there and, you know, until you buy a house. So we're like, okay, cool. That'll be like, you know, a month or so, you know, a few weeks, a month. And then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll just move into the next place. Yeah. You know, it definitely was, wasn't intended to be like a whole summer. It definitely extended way right. longer than any of us expected. So it wasn't like an easy time because... We were definitely like living out of a suitcase kind of and driving back and forth to Tampa quite a bit, like every day. Like, I think we spent a lot of time that summer, like in the FCA library, <laughs> just because yeah. we, we would like be in Tampa and we're like, well, we don't want to drive all the way home. We just need to like stick around town until the next thing is going on. Yeah, we got scouts tonight. We just got to be right back here. <laughs> Might as well stay. So we spent so much time, I feel like, in the library at school that year or that summer. Yeah. And our older brothers, like, they were, like, they had, like, part-time jobs, so they ended up, like, staying with friends during the summer. That's right. I was like, were they at FC? No. It was just, we were all kind of, like, spread apart, and it was just, it was just a a weird time. And I, I remember, I remember, I pair that time with this movie because, obviously, it came out that summer, so I remember, like, we arranged to meet up with people you know, and go to the movies yeah. for my birthday. But also I think either with my birthday money or like as a birthday present, I got the cha- or the, uh, the prisoner of Azkaban game boy advance game. Yep. And so a lot of those drives, like back and forth from spring Hill to Tampa, I was like playing that prisoner of Azkaban game, like all summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, that's what I pair. I paired this movie with was What's that really time. Weird is I remember I paired this movie with our new house. Like once we finally moved in, mm-hmm. I remember uh, us all getting a copy of it on DVD. Yeah, for I guess Easter or something, or Christmas. I don't, it might have been Christmas. Yeah, probably Christmas. Um, but I remember one of us got a full screen and one of us got a wide screen. Ooh, and I got the wide screen. And either you or Justin tricked me into trading for the full screen because I just fully believed that, oh, the screen's full, you get more screen. Or because, like, that was my, I don't know how to explain my thoughts, but, like. No, I mean, every kid thinks full full screen is better. Full screen is way better. Before they knew any better. Yeah. I mean, Uh, to be honest, I, I just knew widescreen was cooler. I don't know if I fully believed it yet. Yeah. I just knew it was the cooler one, so that's why I was I, like, why are I they getting rid of the top and the bottom part of the screen when you can just have full screen? 
So yeah. obviously I'm going to trade. So I traded with either one of you. And I don't remember. It it, it might have been me. Could have been That's Justin. It's crazy that they sold widescreen and full screen at the same time. <laughs> That's so yeah. weird. I know. What a weird time our culture was in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had the, not, not on the Harry Potter movies, but they would have the discs that you would flip it over. You know, one side's widescreen, one side's full screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. That seems like a classy way to do it, you know? Yeah. You don't need, like, two different versions of the movie. <laughs> just all in one case, but anyway. <laughs> That's good. But yeah, we moved in. It wasn't until, like, September of that year that we, like, officially moved into the new house. So you've heard people of the podcast have heard us talk about Holland, the Holland house, and the Oakdale house. Now, the Spring Hill house was in between leaving Holland and going to the Oakdale house. And the Bullard house. Well, yes. Yeah. We lived in two houses that summer. Yeah. We did move for like one month before we signed off on the new house. We did move back to Temple Terrace. Someone from church had a house that we were able to stay at for like a month. I, I, I remember when we moved back, like when we finally moved in and like, it had been months and I, since I had like seen some of my stuff and it was like, it was weird. Like looking through mm-hmm. like some of my belongings and it had only been like a few months, but it felt like so long. I was like, Oh yeah. man, I forgot about this. This, <laughs> this thing I had on my shelf or something. You feel like Tom Hanks when he got rescued from and cast away. I know. Just not, I'm just not the same anymore. <laughs> I grew yeah, up a that. lot that summer. You know, I started wearing deodorant that summer. True story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you, I mean, you were older than me, so I guess you observed a lot more. I just was like, I didn't think that we were homeless ever, because I was just like, oh, I guess we're just staying here. That's cool. I just blocked all of that out. I mean, it wasn't like, it's not bad, Mm. but yeah. I don't even remember living in a suitcase. (laughs) I mean, it's not like we were in a suitcase and going from hotel to hotel, because we were at the same place, but yeah. What I mean by that is just we had limited stuff with us mm-hmm. for the summer, basically. The rest of our house was like packed away in a pod somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan, do you have any vocab words for this movie? Let me ask my guest here. One and three quarters. Yes. Not any <laughs> vocab words. Uh, uh, maybe if you say yours, maybe something will spark for okay. me. Okay. So this one came with two definitions, or I guess two vocab words. One was a British one, and one was a regular vocab word. Uh, one sacked, as in you're fired. As in Rudy sacked that Georgia Tech QB. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't offsides. He wasn't offsides. That that is our Han shot first. That's what that is. <laughs> um, uh, but the other one is resigned. And I thought that was cool. I'll have to see if something else comes up to mind. But I don't. I don't think I had any vocab words for this movie. Yeah, I love that. In this movie, the two most competent professors were threatened. Or were in danger of getting sacked or resigning. The two most competent? The most competent, yeah. 
Lupin, and Hagrid. The two best teachers. You're saying Hagrid was a competent teacher? I think he was. He knew what he was doing. Um, Did he? Maybe he can't control. I I don't think so. What are you talking about? (laughs) I don't think he was a good teacher. I mean, he's competent in handling like creatures and animals and stuff, but like, was he a good teacher? I don't think so. Better than Professor Grubbly Plink. <laughs> I, I I never met the guy. <laughs> no, I I was he's a good teacher. What are you talking about? I don't know. Sorry. If you had asked who who the most competent teachers are, I, I wouldn't say Hagrid is. He's more competent than Trelawney. She's insane. I'll agree with you there. Anyways, moving on from that. Argument. I feel like I feel like we're gonna have a lot of differing opinions on this movie I and on this story. I think it's really exciting. <laughs> Let's talk about the new era of Potter. Okay. Pretty much the only thing that has stayed is the music. And the the kid actors, pretty much. Yeah. But there have been a lot of character changes, actually actor changes and character changes, in this new installment of Harry Potter. And first of all, the obvious one, they had to get a new actor for Dumbledore because uh, Richard Harris passed away after the second movie. Uh, And they replaced him with Michael Gambon, which, you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. Obviously, if he had survived, maybe. Wow, I just dug myself into a hole. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is the perfect time for him to take over as Dumbledore because the next movie, things start to get real. So. Now, yeah, I, I wrote down some stuff about that. We can talk about that first yep. here. Is the actor change. Um, I remember where I was. Kind of when I heard out that he passed. (laughs) I, for whatever reason, I remember we were in a hotel in Georgia eating a continental breakfast when a news report comes on the TV in the breakfast area talking about the the passing of of the actor who played Dumbledore. Snape killed Dumbledore. He found out. (laughs) That's how I found out. And it was like this news story talking about his career and the other things he had done. And um, Richard Harris, like he had been in, he'd been in obviously the first two Harry Potter movies and then also the Count of Monte Cristo, like all of this within like a two year span. So it seemed like every movie, like all these big movies of our childhood were like, this guy was in it. So I, I remember like, it was a big it was a big deal when he passed. It's one of yeah. those celebrity passing that I remember. And also, you know, maybe kind of selfishly, I was like, what are they going to do for the next Harry Potter movie? You know, who, yeah. what are they going to do? Who are they going to cast? But I mean, as bad as it sounds like for um for the third movie, like Dumbledore doesn't have that much involvement in the book. So I feel like this is like an easy yeah. one for a new actor to come in and like just kind of like ease their way into a new role and not like, I don't know, not uh, not be like heavy, heavy burden on them to like take over the role or anything like right. that. I, I do remember being like a little off put when I first saw him, but mm-hmm. like pretty much immediately I started to be OK with it and like 
Oh, this is our Dumbledore. He's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, he actually doesn't have, I mean, a really that many scenes in the movie. Um, I was, I remember noticing that as a kid. Like, I obviously the story doesn't have a lot. Dumbledore isn't as involved in this one. Yeah. But I always wondered, like, did they do that on purpose? Like, to try and ease him into the role? Like, he just seemed, like, kind of noticeably absent in this one. Specifically, there's no, like, um, usually every Harry Potter book, you know, has a, I've I've mentioned it before, you have a a nice chat, you know, with Dumbledore and Harry at the end of the book, you know? Mm -hmm. And the book does have one, but the movie doesn't. Instead, right. like they have uh, Harry and Lupin talking, which yeah, also happens yeah. in the book. But um, yeah, they just don't bring like Dumbledore back at the end of this movie. But basically what happened was um, Richard Harris got sick and he passed and they. Um, I wrote it down. Did they film any of this movie with him in it? No. Okay. So uh, Richard Harris passed actually like a week or so before the second movie was released. Okay. But I don't remember going into the second movie, like knowing that he had passed or anything like that. Right. I think just as a kid, you're just not on this, like, you know, thankfully you're not on these like 24 hour <laughs> news cycles, always knowing what's going on all the time. Yeah. Things are a bit different back then. Um, but he was cast four months later and he filmed all his scenes in three weeks. Oh, so, wow. I don't I didn't really see anything online about like why that was if they like that was just all that the part you know required or if that was because they were trying to shoot around some of his other you know commitments yeah. or anything like that but like you said I mean I it was different at first but I was I was fine with it and yeah. I feel like some people have kind of a hate they hate on him because of the fourth movie and we'll talk about that later yeah, they but, have they have strong opinions about him and I think I think everyone has a soft spot for the the first two and and right. Richard Griffiths. I always do that. Richard Harris. <laughs> um but I I also like Michael Gambon's performance and I think he's he's a good fit especially as the movies progress and how active a role he has to have anyway. Right. So I I think my two favorite parts of him in this movie where I'm like, "Okay, I like Michael Gambon. He's cool." The way at the uh, at the Quidditch match where he doesn't even use a wand, but Harry's falling off of his broom, and he's just mm -hmm. like, Arresto momentum. <laughs> Basically a parachute thing, but he used his hand. I was like, yeah. dude, Michael Gambon is more powerful than the other guy. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh, and then the other part where he's just like, oh, you can... After they come back with the time turner and he just ignores everything. He's like, oh, what happened? I have no idea. He's, hey, he's a bit shaky with them. He's like, we did it. He's like, did what? Good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. He did a great job. But I also can't necessarily imagine Michael Gambon starting out in the first two movies as Dumbledore. You know? I can't wrap my brain around that. I don't know what he would. That'd be cool if somebody made a fan edit of that. <laughs> Deep fake. I, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, or vice versa, Richard Harris being in the rest of the movies. But yeah, you 
I don't know. I just always noticed like Michael Gambon was like a lot skinnier, at least with the robes. Because always Richard yeah. Griffiths always had those like wide, extra wide robes on all the time. Okay, this I don't is think he was that big. <laughs> here's another. Here's another Lord of the Rings uh, connection that I made. Uh, first, you got the ring race in the in the Dementors. First, you got the ring race, and then you got the Dementors. Uh, but here, you started out with Dumbledore or Gandalf. That one died. That was Gandalf the White. Basically, Richard Harris is Gandalf the White, and Michael Gammon is Gandalf the Grey. Only they switched, and mm. Gandalf the White died, and now we have Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> does that make sense? Hopefully it does. I, I, I was kind of thinking that. I just didn't know if you would go along with me on a Lord of the Rings reference like that, but I'm I glad know. you were thinking that too. Yeah, that's probably the last <laughs> Now, Dumbledore was not the only switch. Um, a couple of them I was pretty mad about, honestly. But we've got... Are you talking about new new actors or like switched? Character changes, new actors in general. Okay. Um, the whole tone sh- tonal shift in mm-hmm. the series. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, okay. First of all, I don't know why... But they changed Tom, the innkeeper, at uh, the Leaky Cauldron, the bartender. Mm-hmm. Oh, the first yeah. movie, he was just, like, tall and had, like, sideburns from, like, the 1800s. And he was like, hey there, Hagrid. Use your wife or two. I don't know what he said. Use your wife, presume. <laughs> and he's, like, competent. <laughs> and then yeah. now we've got an Igor... That looks like <laughs> Dean Pelton from Community. <laughs> and it knew, I don't know. They kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say they ruined his character. They just turned him into like comedic relief mm-hmm. and really creepy. I, I didn't think I was watching The Addams Family when I was reading this. I, I didn't read him like that, you know? I I mean, even to this day, like, I don't ever see that character as like the barkeeper of that inn or anything like that. Yeah. He just seems like he's like Cornelius Fudge's assistant. assistant. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, right. It's like very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like this is a completely different Leaky Cauldron than the first two movies. Well, I guess they weren't in the Leaky oh, yeah. Cauldron in the first movie. Or the second movie. Well, they walked. Yeah, not in the second one. Yeah. And it's just a brief scene in the first one. Right. But yeah, the look has definitely changed. But oh man, let's we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we'll go through the other changes. Uh, did not really care for that one. Uh, we got a new fat lady. I don't know what happened. She may have passed away. Um, mm. Dumbledore, good change. I mean, we have to go with it. We're fine. I, I don't really care about the new fat lady or Tom is kind of unnecessary, but I guess it's funny. But the one that I hate the most. Okay. <laughs> Why did they have to change? They have the same exact actor, but why do they have to change Professor Flitwick? Mm. He, he, he de-aged a thousand years in this movie. <laughs> and now he's got the dorky-looking haircut. I guess that's popular now. It kind of looks like Gen Z, middle part. And he's wearing, like, <laughs> nicer clothes instead of robes. 
and he kind of glowed up. He has, I don't know, he looked like yeah. a legit wizard, like a Merlin yeah, like, type figure in the past, in the, like the first two movies. And they just completely changed his whole character. Like he had plastic surgery. I don't understand that. Like not the actor didn't really, but I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flitwick I'm had just, plastic surgery. Yeah, I that change is always. I don't know why they did that. And all of a I sudden, mean, he's I the music teacher. <laughs> I, that's I guess that's the club that he does. Yeah, there's got to be an explanation somewhere, but it doesn't. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the look, but like, why did no, they no, change it? It's fine. It's just not. It's, it just takes away the continuity. Right. Maybe he looked too. OG Harry Potter. He, maybe he looked too Richard Harris. You know, they definitely tried to go for like a younger look for everybody, just like the fat lady, younger. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore looks younger. You know, the kids look older though. So, but that's yep. as expected. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's all. That's all the changes that I noticed really, and the Flitwick one frustrated me the most. Let's talk about the leaky cauldron because that scene. Wow, boy, do I want to stay there! I would pay galleons to stay at that place just for one night, and it not the nicest place in regards to like hotels, but it's just so yeah. cozy and homey, and like I don't know. The next morning, the bar room turns into a continental breakfast, and it's kind of. Kind of nice, <laughs> kind of silly tonal shift with the house ca- housekeeper. Like one of the first jokes, I guess the first like silly thing that happened was Aunt Marge getting blown up. But you know, mm-hmm. so we haven't mentioned yet, but part of the reason for like the tonal shift is obviously like you know the story as the books go along. You know, the story gets a little bit darker, but also there's been like a change in directors. So the first two right. were directed by Chris Columbus. For the third one, they brought in a new director, Alfonso Curran. And basically, I mean, I, I think it was, you know, part of his vision as he wanted to, you know, make it a little bit darker. But I think he was also instructed, you know, based on the screenplay that right. it needed, needed to be that. Um, but yeah, so I mean... There's a lot of different things with his direction that's kind of different that you immediately notice. I think when we were watching it, you were like immediately noticing like there's a lot more like handheld camera, you know, yeah, it's like a little in the shaky first scene. and uneasy, you know. Yeah. Um in the other, you know, the first two, there's a lot more just like, you know, just steady cam static shots, I feel like, not moving around to as much. Um, one of the things he did was get the the students like out of their class robes and into just like regular you know street clothes and that's always been like a tone shift yeah got rid of the dunce caps yeah the dunce caps <laughs> he kind of got rid of he, he didn't get, i thought we talked about this in the movie while we were watching it i thought that they got rid of the ghost con- entirely but they just slimmed it down a little bit yeah they basically, you know, the ghosts that are in the movie are like exclusively used as like set dressing in the background of shots or yeah. like in transition scenes, you know, yeah. like, oh, here's now we're going to cut to the Great Hall and here's a shot of a, a ghost going into the Great Hall. Oh, that's but it's a- but it's not any ghosts that like, you know, are characters that we know, like 
you know, like nearly headless Nick, for instance, you know, it's just like random Hogwarts ghosts. So you mentioned before, like prisoner of Azkaban, at least at the time, like this was your favorite book. Like what, what stuck out to you about the book in the story in the movie? I think because this is the only movie that has a breath of fresh air in regards to the villain. Like Mm -hmm. this is basically the eye of the hurricane. Um, it's like super calm and there's not too scary of a villain. Like Voldemort's taking a break this time through. It just has to do with somebody that was connected to Voldemort in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but Voldemort isn't the direct villain. Yeah. In this, because he, he is in the fourth through the, I guess the eighth movie. Uh, but the first two, he's sort of the direct villain through a different person or entity or being or whatever but this focus as him as the villain is still there but Mm -hmm. this is just serious black and he turns out to not even be the villain spoiler alert yeah there's not many movies that where the villain turns into be your friend uh and that's cool uh this movie sky high oh yeah of course yeah 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 so in the end What's the quote? I can't say it now. <laughs> so in the end, my uh, arch enemy became my best friend. My best friend became my girlfriend. My girlfriend became my arch enemy. But hey, something like that. That's high school. Yeah. But hey, um, it's Hogwarts. <laughs> no. Um, oh man, where was I gonna go with that? You distracted <laughs> me. Not many movies where the villain becomes. A good guy, or you know, yes, isn't. and and with probably between before that, the stakes aren't super high, even though we feel like he's a serial killer. Harry could still die, but it's sort of like a fresh a breath of fresh air when it comes to the story and the villain. And another part was sent with that fresh air, with that breath of fresh air, you get more Hogwarts time. And yeah. Hogwarts lore and like more like lessons and stuff. And it's, it's, it's really cool for someone who wants to be a part of that world. So I feel like yeah. this one has the most Hogwarts time. Wizarding world time, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It expands with the night bus, the leaky cauldron for longer than 30 seconds. We've got Hogsmeade. Um, the kids get a little bit more freedom, you know, and I think that's cool. Yeah. There's a lot more, um, scenes of the kids, like just exploring the Hogwarts grounds, yeah. like throughout the day you, and you know, you're, you're seeing new areas of the Hogwarts grounds I mean, the and castle tower, the astronomy tower. That's awesome. Yeah. Places that you haven't been before. So that's, that's like expanding the, I don't know what you have seen in the castle thus far. And they far. literally give you a map to explore it in this movie. The Marauder's <laughs> Map. Yeah. That is so cool. That's like one of the top, I mean, if, I guess it wouldn't be useful if I didn't live at Hogwarts, but like that's one of the coolest things I would love to have. But I guess it's just find my friends on your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. maybe not. But That's up there. One of my favorite magical artifacts in the whole series oh i mean it's one of those it's one of those things where 
what kid, you know, wouldn't want to have something like that and an invisibility cloak, you know? Right. Could just go anywhere and know how to not get caught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, this is, I think for a lot of reasons, um, people, I think a lot of people have a soft spot for the third book for that reason, because like you're saying, it's kind of the last, last one of like the early books before you get into the Voldemort heavy yeah. story. It's and... like the last little burst of innocence before things get real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the other aspect that people love about this story in particular, the book and well, mainly the book is, mm-hmm. you know, the backstory of Harry's dad of Sirius Lupin, Peter Pettigrew, you know, the Marauders, which doesn't get explained in this movie. And that's my biggest beef with this movie. Yeah. Is that, that's true. there. That is like, I don't know, some of the lore that people like the most of the Harry Potter series. And it's like, it's just really glossed over and not even mentioned a lot of it in this movie. Just like, oh, Harry, did you know you probably heard this, but you have your mother's eyes, but you look just like your dad. (laughs) Yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie, like, first time I saw it. But this was the first one I came out of, like, a little bit disappointed in it feeling like Hmm. it wasn't the adaptation wasn't as well as I'd hoped it was. And it's like a lot shorter than the first two. That's true. So, um, yes, this one, this one has always left me a little bit empty, even though a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people will say this is the, like their favorite one. And I was, I feel like people didn't say that when I was a kid, I feel like as people have gotten older and like, get into more film criticism and that sort of thing. Yeah. They've grown to like it more than they may have when they were a kid. I, I don't know if that's true for everyone, but for me, yeah, I, I can appreciate like the cinematography and some of that stuff, but I, I just feel like this one wasn't as good as the first two, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, I feel like that's my hot take for this movie. Honestly, it's just that. But it's a big deal. I mean, think of it this way. Like, what is... Okay, if you talk about, like, continuing the Harry Potter series, what's the biggest thing everyone's asking for? Everyone wants a Marauders series. That's true. And, like, because we didn't get it in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, but I I feel like this is still not... I mean, it's definitely not the worst movie. But I feel like it should still be up there. Uh, It doesn't have to be the best either. I'm not saying it's... Yeah. I definitely don't agree with your hot take, mainly because book adaptation doesn't make a... Just because it didn't follow the book doesn't mean it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, Goblet of Fire does the same thing, only way worse. But that is still probably the funnest movie. Yeah. I mean, the basic structure of the the book is there. I, I will say, like, the other... Some of the later movies definitely are way looser with the adaptation. Yeah. But because this one was so like this was my favorite. This one was this this one I just I you took that down. personally. I yeah. took that personally when this one wasn't as good as I hoped it was. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, but And there's a I feel like the <laughs> I always thought the uh while I'm getting my gripes out, I'll go ahead and do that <laughs> now. 
Uh, I always thought the CGI for like the werewolf, the character design, I just the thought werewolf. it looked dumb. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I feel like every you... single, I disagree with that. I think the CGI mm-hmm. looks awesome. Because I just like it... all the werewolf, every werewolf things you've seen looks like a stupid, like Scooby-Doo looking Sasquatch suit. Okay. And this is just like a thin and wiry werewolf that's still dangerous. Mm. I think it's awesome. This made me like, oh, that's what a werewolf should be. Okay. I thought it looked cool and it was really scary. Mm. So I hard disagree on that. Yeah, I just I just never liked that like creature design. It just didn't. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, mm, okay. Nah. I don't know. No, I feel like there's some people that back both of us up, but I feel like there's more people that back me up yeah. because I'm right. I mean, Buckbeak, I liked that. I liked the look of Buckbeak and the yeah. CGI and stuff. I mean, there's a lot There's a lot to like in this movie. Um, it is really good. I would say the worst CGI of this movie is when Peter Pettigrew turns back into the mouse when he escapes <laughs> with a creepy little smile. Yeah. That was bad. Uh, but... You know, yeah. whatever. I, I just felt like all the, you know, the scene at the Shrieking Shack was just, it just felt so rushed. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so much conversation and dialogue that happens there in the book. Yeah. Over the course of like several chapters. And it's just, I just feel like you don't get the real impact of what's going on there in the movie. Right. It's, if you know the story, then you can kind of read between the lines. And I guess that's, you know, I get it. It's an adaptation. You're not going to get everything, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one just left me left me wanting. No, I definitely believe uh, that. Okay, whenever I say Wampling Willow, say Wampling Willow to me, because I'm gonna forget this point. Um, now I forgot the other thing I was gonna say. <laughs> Wamping Willow. No, the other thing. <laughs> yeah, so Wampling Willow. I'll put that part. I guess there is one more character change in this that I forgot till just now, and it is the Wampling Willow. They just turned that one into... Are you saying Wampling Willow on purpose? I'm going <laughs> to confess, I don't know how to say Wampling Willow. Wamping Willow. Wamping Willow? <laughs> that Willow wamps. <laughs> That's not the point, okay? Let me just say... I was just like, you've said willow. Wampling Willow three times. I'm like, is he doing that on purpose? That's because it's canon. That's my head canon. It's Wampling Willow. Okay? <laughs> don't don't ruin my Harry Potter worldview. <laughs> Crab and Goa's muffins were cinnamon, okay? The Wampling Willow. <laughs> what is it? What is the Womp? What? What is the what 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 is its character name of that tree? <laughs> I just know that after the scene where they're playing Utch Dutch, you know, the broom crashes into the wampling willow and it gets splintered. <laughs> That's it more embarrassing because I still can't say it right. <laughs> wamping what is it? I don't know. Is it not the Wamping Willow? Like you're adding an L in there. I know. I, j- I always read it as Wampling Willow. 
Why is that? Why is that so bad? That's not that bad. It's not. It's not as bad as Utch Dutch. Come on. Anyways, I'm gonna call it Wampling Willow from now on. Do it because I've been saying it for the past 25 years. Anyways, my point with the Wampling Willow is this is also a tonal shift with that. Because um, first movie, dude, that thing's kind of scary. It's like part of the story. But now they kind of use it as a funny transition, like establishing shot. And it's like more of a comedic um, transition than anything. Because like, I feel like it's always like a bird's landing on it and it's just going... <laughs> Or it's shaking all of its leaves at once. You know, it's yeah. very angsty, and you can tell. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, I was noticing... I, I, I definitely didn't pick up on this as a as a kid, but I definitely think Alfonso Cuaron was, like, doing stuff with... Like, obviously, the ending, there's this whole, like, time travel thing as a as an ending, you know, plot device. Yeah. So you'll notice throughout the movie, there's a lot of, like things in the shots showing the passing of time so all those are transitions of like the changing of the seasons the clock pendulum swinging back and forth there's just a lot of stuff like that throughout the movie that i notice like artsy fartsy stuff of trying to like signify time as a on ever going i don't know element that's ticking in the background but yeah i noticed that with the with the wampling willow yeah, the Wampling Willow. <laughs> so it is Wamping. That's what I, I thought. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> Transition. Hit it. Yeah, take it away, Annie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> Let's talk about Stan Shumpike, Ernie, Shrunken Head, and the Night Bus. Hmm. Wow, what a journey. I feel like that's the most quoted scene of this movie for us. It's just so iconic. I mean, come on. Chiffalova for. Come on, dude. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose. The one I say all the time, which I've already said like two or three times in this episode is, move on, move on, move on. (laughs) I say that probably once a week. With context. Stan Shunpike is just the man when it comes to movie quotes. Come on now, let's not wait for the grass to grow. And then after all those awesome quotes, you've got Ernie the deaf guy, the bus driver, but the talking head that talks for him. Yeah. (laughs) That wasn't in the books, but it's probably one of the best like additions to the books. That it's pretty legit. I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. So yeah, this this thing that I keep like pressing the sound on is I got this shrunken head when I went to London. I did the Harry Potter studio tour. Yeah, and it's it's just like a little thing that I can. Uh, it's like a talk. I don't know. Sound it's a shrunken head, <laughs> but there's like a little button on the bottom of it, and it's got the yarn yeah. for hair. And it just looks absolutely. What, what would be the word grody i believe yeah grody <laughs> but i just i just always thought he was hilarious in this movie so i was like when i went to to the gift shop after the tour i was like oh, i gotta get me one of those yeah 
What's really funny about that quote in particular, thanks for talking, talking head, uh, <laughs> that he goes from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, but then he goes back up to three and a half. Three and a half. He doesn't say two and a half. Two. Funny. <laughs> yeah, take it away, Ernie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And it's such a cool scene. I mean, it's for as an American, with the perspective of an American, the thing you think about when you think about England or London is the double-decker buses. And mm-hmm. when you see a purple double-decker bus. Triple-decker. I was getting there. Yeah. It, okay. Not only is it a double, but it is a triple. That's the new iPhone, baby. <laughs> uh, that was really cool. Uh, and I specifically have a memory tied with this because our mom worked in the library at our school growing up. And she would be like in charge of the bulletin board for how many books we read per class or something. So she would come up with a theme for the library every year. And the year we did, I mean, one year we did Narnia, which was awesome. Uh, one year we did Redwall, awesome. But this year we did Harry Potter, not this year, but like back then. We did Harry Potter that year. And around like, I guess it was second grade, first grade, 04, around this time the movie came out, uh, we did Harry Potter. And then she bought props for it. And she bought the Night Bus Lego set. And I got to build it. And it was awesome. And we got to keep it at the end of the year because she was the librarian. That was an awesome Lego set. I remember I that. still have it in my closet right now. I should rebuild it. Should. there? It's definitely missing some pieces because I was six, but that's okay. I just always thought it was cool because like you've got beds in there and stuff. And I was like, right. oh man, wouldn't that be nice? Like we go on these road trips. What are you talking about? We put a futon in the back of our minivan. We had a bed. <laughs> but yeah, that was really cool. I just wondered how how the wizards like would sleep on it because they're just like the beds are just sliding <laughs> all across the place and they're just the lights like, dead are to on. the world. <laughs> There's a whole chandelier in there. Yeah. <laughs> not not to mention he's like a horrible driver. But he doesn't hit anything. I don't understand that. Is he just like Magic. a invisible? I don't know the understanding of the night bus. Oh, so one thing that he says in the movie is it's like an emergency transport. Transport. Yeah. It's like for the stranded witcher wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know that I ever picked up on that. Is that I just thought it was a way people like wizards could transport, like no. just get from one place to the other. But they have to be in like an emergency situation to be able to like hail the thing yeah i guess so but that just makes me wonder about the the one witch that was sleeping yeah <laughs> like what is she doing if you're having an emergency yeah. why are you sleeping i don't know uh, i mean because i mean if if wizards can operate like why would they need the the night bus exactly hmm. well, how would they be stranded if they can operate <laughs> yeah it should only be for underage People or the people that get like, I don't know, kicked out of school, dropouts. I don't know. 
questions. I don't know. We gotta look into that night bus. If any of you guys know the history of the night bus, let us know. Okay, so before we move on, move on, move on from the night bus, I do actually remember a difference between the book and the movie where it doesn't even matter, but I don't know why they changed it either because it would have been funny because uh, Stan Shumpike is just like, oh, man. <laughs> Stan Shumpike is like, what'd you say your name was? And he's like, I didn't. But in the book, he says, Neville Longbottom. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny um, and then third spoiler alert for the seventh book uh, Stan Shumpike I was heartbroken when I read that he became a Death Eater mm, but yeah yeah because he was a cool character I really looked up to him wasn't it was it revealed like he was under the he yeah he's under the Imperius curse but mm-hmm. still I didn't know that until the end yeah I just had a note that I wrote down was like what if Ron had forgot Scabbers this yeah. year? Because there's there's like a shot where they're boarding the Hogwarts Express and like Molly Weasley like runs up to like the window of the train. It's like, here, you forgot. You forgot your <laughs> You rat. forgot and the plot like, of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly why they did it. It's like yeah. they definitely put way more emphasis on like him having Scabbers. his pet rat with him like throughout the movie than they have in the other two. But in the book, I just thought though, it was like that's the way it was. I just thought it was like, oh, it's like, what if he had like actually left him at home? Yeah. <laughs> For this movie. They also, how do we emphasize Scabbers in this? Oh, we'll just give Hermione a cat. Which true. makes me Crook believe. Shanks. Who is Crookshanks? She has to be another Animagus. Mm. I, just, I just fully believe that. Nicholas Flamel. <laughs> Crookshanks. Barty Crouch. Junior. Next movie. Next episode. <laughs> Too many things to talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Leaky Cauldron, that's in London. <laughs> There's too many quotes packed into that scene. Uh, so good. Eat the pea soup before it eats you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess we can go back to the Leaky Cauldron like right after that. Because I think that's probably my favorite part of the movie. The, the Leaky okay. Cauldron, beginning, like, night bus, Leaky Cauldron, entrance into this new year. Mm-hmm. My favorite part. Uh, the Monster Book of Monsters. Cool design. That was really cool. That was scary. That's another scary part. That was good. The book was... That was a good example of like something... I don't know. They just they got that right with the yeah. Monster Book of Monsters. I feel like it was exactly the way I like would have pictured that reading the book. And I'm really glad they didn't use CGI. Because now if like a Netflix did a reboot of it, they would easily just make it like a monster with a slimy eye or something. But they made it into a puppet, and I think that was so cool. Made it look so real. I mean, they get on the Hogwarts Express, and that's where they meet Lupin for the first time. Yep. That's where I learned that chocolate is healthy for you. Yeah. If you faint. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone passes out, just give them chocolate. Dude, I always thought um, Dementors. This is my thought, like an original thought in the theater. Like, Dementors would be really good at opening up a snow cone business. Just pour water in the cup, and it freezes. Ooh, actually, you, we were talking about iconic shots. Mm-hmm. The scene where that, like, tubular-looking flower, the transition, where yeah. the Dementor passes over and it instantly freezes. 
Yeah, awesome. I thought you were going to say the shot of like Ron looking out the window and like the, the windows like icing yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. And like yeah. the hand on the window. Whatever. All of it. Any any like shot with the Dementor looks cool. Dementor, Dementor. <laughs> oh yeah. The um <laughs> Care of Magical Creatures class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to have the Malfoy and his gang giving them a hard time and what cracked me up about that was that they're just making fun of Harry because he fainted at a Dementor. But they would do the same thing. Like, maybe they might not faint, but they have to realize, oh, man, that's so scary. <laughs> that You got him there. I mean, that's pretty scary. I'd do the same thing. Come <laughs> on. It's a Dementor. He could suck his soul out. Come on. Yeah. Um, but then they just keep making fun of like, oh, Harry's a wimp. He can't handle a Dementor. Well, he can handle a hippogriff, and you can't. So, but well, what happened to Goyle in this movie? I feel like I, he's he's there for some of it, but then other scenes he's like replaced with some other dude. I don't know. I don't know. Um, like specifically that scene in Hogsmeade where they're they're yeah, picking on Ron yeah. and Hermione. Like Crab's there, but Goyle's not. I don't know what was what was holding him up. All I do, all I remember is Crab. Finding out that Crab had been arrested for cannabis oh, years yeah. later, like I guess the yeah, fourth yeah, or yeah. fifth movie, and I was upset about that. He was in the first six. He just wasn't in the last. Okay, the last two. That's right. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> okay. So what cracked me up about Crab in that scene was that you know how they're all like Dementor, Dementor, and then they turn around and they put their hoods up. Crab didn't have a hood. He was just wearing his button-up shirt. So he still acted like a Dementor and just did the whoo, and he looked stupid <laughs> doing it, and it cracked me up. That's all I had to say about that. Let's transition into the ending, where I just want to say, if these series, these blockbuster movies, weren't snubbed at the Oscars, Gary Oldman would have won an Oscar for this. That performance <laughs> was stellar. Yeah. Um, also, I can't tell that that's Gary Oldman. Like, this is my first Gary Oldman movie, and then seeing him in the the Dark Knight and other stuff, I just don't recognize him as Sirius Black. It's weird. No. They do really good. Well, he acts a lot more, you know, crazy in this one. Yeah. But, yeah, like, after having watched all the other, well, the other ones that he's in, like, going back and watching this one it's like you don't really immediately recognize him right right yeah but also gary oldman is one of those that like takes on a lot of weird different roles yeah, and kind of can true. disappear into him that's true well he does a great job at the end of this and there's so many different factors going on talk about the ending such a cool thing like plot twists galore like you realize that, oh no, we finally have the killer and we're about to die. And then Lupin shows up to save the day. And then no, he's actually with the killer. But hold up, the killer isn't the killer. It's actually the rat. <laughs> hold up, the rat. The rat can't be a killer. The rat is a rat. No, the rat's not a rat. He's a human. 
<laughs> then Snape shows up, and then plot twist here: Harry throws the old Expelliarmus on him and knocks him out, sends him through a wall. That's an expellable offense right there. Um, <laughs> and then everybody is okay, and then um, seems like the problem is solved, and then the full moon comes out, and then we've got a werewolf on our hands. It is so crazy. It it is wild. It is a wild ride, and you get to go through it twice. Because mm. your mind is blown when you realize that Harry and Hermione are doing all of the things that are unexplained in that ending. The only thing I would have said, Snape, I have another note about that. Snape would not have been knocked out in that long... For that long amount of time? Yeah, for that long amount of time from Expelliarmus. Like, he should have used, like, Petrificus Totalis, and that would have been problem solved, you know? But it, it just blast him through a wall? That's not that's a, not a disarming spell. People have a lot of gripes with that, that he constantly uses that spell. But Yeah, I feel like that's, as the movies go on, kind of the continuity of, like, what the spells do yeah. aren't always consistent. That's true. But basically use Flipendo, dude. <laughs> I was surprised at you, because, like, you knew all the spells' names before they, they were even saying them. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be at Hogwarts. <laughs> I got to learn the spells before I'm a muggle. got to keep up with Hermione. Hermione said some spell before she, like, releases Sirius from the jail cell at the end. And I don't even know what that was. Bombarda! <laughs> it's like bombarding. Like, it's pretty cool. I don't know. I just know spells like that. Yeah. Sipensosia. <laughs> Listen, that was my child. Like I said, that was my childhood crush. I listened to anything and everything that woman said. <laughs> McGonagall? No. Oh. You wish. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that's really cool about the ending. I I really like the set for the Shrieking Shack. You can yeah. tell like how it's like swaying in the yeah. background as they're like divulging all this information and having these conversations. Yeah. And it's really kind of like, I don't know, it adds some kind of t extra tension to the scene, I feel yeah. like, which is kind of cool. But also you realize this is where the Marauders hung out back in the day, but you don't really yeah. know that because of the movie. Yeah, yeah. kind of messed it up. But yeah, the movie doesn't explain that. It doesn't explain why the Whomping Willow, it does, does, it, yeah, it doesn't even explain why the Whomping Willow was planted there to begin with or why. Yeah. Yeah, but if you just watch it, having you know, having read the book, which I feel like the filmmakers probably assume, like, look, if you're seeing this movie, you probably have read this book, you know? Right, 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 right. But I like that, and I do think that having them go through the events at the end, while that's like kind of cool, I think that kind of hinders the rewatchability of the movie a little bit because I feel like it makes the ending kind of drag out. Because you're having to kind of go through it twice. Yeah, it kind of ruins a little bit of the pacing. Yeah, kind of exhausting. But uh, honestly, I'm thinking about one time a muggle could be beneficial in this situation. I couldn't help but think about that. Because when they're interrogating Peter Pettigrew, all they had to do was somebody with a tape recorder or a phone, probably tape recorder because it was set in the 90s, all they had to do just record him confessing to it in the conversation. And then sure, it might not work with Hogwarts terms, but I still think that yeah. could have been cool. Because they solved the case and everything. 
but now he's just on the run and they can't prove it. Yeah. That is kind of frustrating. It's like, even though they go through the events at the end, you know, like Harry has that scene at the end where he's talking to Lupin. And he's like, it, it's like, it didn't make any difference. Like he's still got away, you know, and Lupin has to tell him yeah. like, it made all the difference in the world. Like you still, you helped save like, you know, an innocent life and you helped, you know, keep Sirius away from, you know, judgment. He didn't deserve that sort of right. thing. So, but yeah, I mean, there's so many opportunities for like, you really get your hopes up, you know, for Harry that he's going to like, yeah, yeah. Like he's going to get to go live with Sirius and like stay with him be with mm-hmm. his godfather and get away from the Dursleys. You know, he has that, that brief moment where he's got that hope, but then the full moon comes out and ruins everything. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll we will get into my biggest gripe with the entire series. Two, two episodes from now. Well, two okay. movies from now. We talk about mm-hmm. War of the Phoenix, but yeah. Biggest gripe. Biggest gripe. Um, yeah, that would have been really cool if he could just live with him. <laughs> this dude who you thought was going to kill you like 30 minutes ago. Is willing to uh, let you live with him. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like such an instant on a dime. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the Dursleys are pretty bad, so yeah, (laughs) that's an upgrade, regardless. So here's another connection that I thought of, which I've never thought of before, and maybe not many people else have. Um, but at the beginning of the series, Hagrid is riding on a motorbike, a flying motorbike, with Harry to deliver him to the Dursleys. And whose motorbike is that? Sirius Black. He let him borrow it. And I think it just came full circle when Hagrid is letting Sirius Black take his flying creature, Buckbeak, Mm -hmm. uh, into safety or whatever. But I feel like, hey, you remember when you let me borrow that? uh, I guess I'll let you borrow my my hippogriff because... I borrowed your motorcycle one time. (laughs) Full circle. I like that. It's a cool connection. Yeah. Meaningless, for sure, but it's kind of just an extra detail that I appreciate. Lupin is a baller for resigning and giving him the map again. Because he didn't have Mm -hmm. to do that. He's like, since I'm not your teacher, I'm going to let you have this back. (laughs) That's awesome. And then. The very, very ending. This is probably the biggest gripe that people have with the entire movie is the, the cringy freeze frame at the end. <laughs> it's the only thing that people... That's the only thing that's like that. None of the other movies end like that. Yeah. I'm just... This is my hot take of the movie. I like that. <laughs> I don't hate it at all. You know? I uh, know. It's, it's cringy. It's cringy. I don't hate it at all. So that's that's all I need to say about that. But it's mm. not that big of a deal. Don't complain about it. Mm. Uh, and then following that comes one of the greatest like animated end credits ever. Like that's the one where you want to sit down and watch because it's the Marauders map. Yeah, and then you've got some. You got the John Williams music playing through the credits, which yeah. I did want to mention a little bit about John Williams because we haven't talked too much, I don't think. But this is the last one that he did of the Harry Potter films. And I think he even does, you know, this one, 
he didn't just, you know, go to the old reliables. Like he, I feel like he did something different with this one. It has some, some different sounds and different, different things that he wrote for it. He went away from um, the brass and went towards some oboes and clarinets. Yeah, one. I want to say really it like has like kind that. of like a it has kind of like a medieval feel. Yeah, like there's I don't I don't know how to explain it other than like than that it's got like these like wooden flutes kind of playing a mm-hmm. lot and things like that. It kind of sounds like a Renaissance fair, Celtic, <laughs> Celtic influence. I don't know. Um, but I, so I always liked that, and I feel like I, I don't know. It's just like everyone talks about John Williams being so good, but really like these first three are like really great soundtracks. And I really like the soundtracks that come after this too. I feel like I have more to say about those just because it's not John Williams. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I do, I do feel like that also helps with like the tone shift uh, in this one. Like he's got, there's the, you know, the chorus with the, the students holding the frogs, which that's kind of quirky. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the chorus students like yeah. holding the frogs and singing that like something wicked. This way comes double, double trouble, double toil and trouble, which is like a classic um, like phrase. It might even be a song already. Yeah, I don't know. Just re- redone for wizards and witches. Um, one thing though that I wanted to mention about that about the music was I remember being in a Barnes and Noble like after this movie came out, and we were checking out, and by the register there was like a CD for like the soundtrack. Yeah, of Harry Potter three. And I like picked it up because I was confused. I was like, wait, is the movie out already? Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was like on DVD or something, but it was still in the theater. Oh, so I was like, yeah, wait, yeah. what is what is this? And I picked it up and I turned it around to the back and I was just like, oh, this is just like music from the movie. And <laughs> to myself, I was like, who would even buy that? And I like put it back on the shelf. <laughs> and like all these years later, like all I do is listen to movie soundtracks all the like, time. Like that's now, your so. Spotify wrapped is. Yeah, it Thomas always shows Newman up. and John Williams. Yeah, so I just thought that was funny thinking back on that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's, that's all that I've got notes wise for this one. Uh, yeah, well, I guess the listeners will know for next week we've got our live show, and we are doing like categories, kind of like the Oscars, and we've done so many John Williams movies and scores this year that we have our own John Williams segment or John Williams category yeah so that the other ones don't get snubbed <laughs> so we, we will have equal equal awardings for mm-hmm. for those movies so but yeah uh okay so our two reoccurring segments for the end we're wrapping up uh we've got to update the leaderboard for the number one number two and number three defense against the dark arts rankings where would professor lupin lie on this ranking sheet is he better than quirrell yeah is he better than lockhart mm. not according to lockhart's books <laughs> well does he take the number one spot do we have to be unified on this or are we doing our yes, own we have to be unified on this because mm. i just don't know what to do here hash it out hash it out Obviously, Lupin is the more competent, likable choice. But I just get so much entertainment value out of Lockhart that I yeah. don't know what to do. But I would say Lupin is definitely the better Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. 
Okay. So I'll go Lupin, Lockhart, Quirrell. I will go with that as well. And if you have time, my brother Buzz. (laughs) (laughs) It's the second Home Alone (laughs) reference you've made. Can't help it. Um, Yeah, so there we go. He's taking the leaderboard. Number one. Number one slot. All right, so the next and final segment of today's episode is the updates for the casting for the third movie of Muppets, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Band. (laughs) Who plays the Wampling Willow? (laughs) I can immediately just picture like some like talking bush now as the Wampling Willow. Yeah. Or at least he looks felt. (laughs) Okay, so we've got three new additions for the third movie. I mean, obviously, we first of all, we've got Sweetums as Hagrid. We've got Rizzo as Professor Flitwick. We've got uh, Pepe Le Pron for Lockhart. I actually have an update for that one. I think we should okay. recast him. You remember that space pig? What's his name? Um, From the pigs in space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Link Hogthrob. He's <laughs> full of himself. He's a celebrity. Come on. I mean, I feel like he's... I don't know if he's better than Pepe Le Pron, but like... We could probably Definitely not use, as well known. Not as well known, but, but I feel like we can use Pepe Lepron for another character maybe sometime later. So okay. for now, I'm switching him to Link Hogthorpe. Okay. So plus he kind of looks like him too. <laughs> and now and now Pepe is Scabbers. Is that, is that Pe- the deal? Rizzo Scabbers. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> no. uh, yeah, so that's an adjustment. That's an amendment. We've got Gonzo and Camilla as Filch and Miss Norris. Perfect. We've got Beaker as Professor Quirrell. Um, <laughs> number one, uh, we've got Kermit as Dumbledore and Voldemort. That's a that's a double casting. Snape is Sam the Eagle. And then for these three new castings, we've got Sirius Black, Lupin, and... Uh, Professor Trelawney. Okay. Now we're keeping Professor McGonagall as a human because you can't replace her. But, all right. So first of all, we've got Janice from the Electric Mayhem cast as Professor Trelawney. She's crazy. She's very into crystals. You know, it's pretty. I think that's a pretty good casting. I think so too. All right. Second. Now this might be a hot take because I'm keeping. As for now, I'm keeping Harry's dad and mom as humans. But for Lupin, they're going to be in Sirius Black. We are going to stick with the Electric Mayhem. Lesser known Muppets. Okay. But for Sirius Black, we've got Zoot. The blue Mm -hmm. hair. The chill, long blue hair. uh, Saxophone player. And then for Lupin, we've got Floyd. Who played guitar. Do you not agree with this? We can keep them adults. No, I I don't know who Floyd is. I don't. I'm he not was like the red one. and purple one. See the you got the, the mustache? mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's Lupin. It's not immediately striking me, but it's not immediately striking me. But I couldn't think of another Muppet that fits them. Mm-hmm. I always want to cast Ralph for something, but he can't do because he's a dog, you know. But he's not serious black. He's not serious black. Come on. <laughs> 
But I also I am did like, my waiting. Twelve years of it. <laughs> okay, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> A finger. <laughs> um or I mean, we could go with the, the Tim Curry route in, in Muppets Treasure Island, where the villain, Sirius Black, could be human still. Maybe we can just keep them both as human. Because you can't be, you can't make Rolf scary. I feel like you should, if you're leaving James and Lily human, maybe you should leave them human. But then that doesn't give us that many new additions for this movie. Right, 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 right. But I felt like they were, the Electric Mayhem fellas were pretty, uh, unknown I, something just makes me laugh about james potter hanging out with muppets <laughs> i don't know they're not set in stone so if you guys really disagree let us know but that's what i've got so far otherwise we can keep them as humans cool. sounds so, good yeah that's pretty much all i've got so i guess we should wrap up all right well jeremy as we are wrapping up here We've kind of talked a lot about the movie. Seems like me and you have differing opinions on the movie. More than I thought bit. we would. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, what are you going to go ahead and give this movie for a letterbox score? Five out of five, baby. Five out of five? Five out of five. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I can't give it a five out of I five. I know, I know. That's why I did mine, because we have to average ours. I'm really struggling between a four or a four and a half. But I just feel out of like visual style alone, like I have to go four and a half. Okay. And just knock it off like a half star because of my gripes about the book, the loose adaptation and not including the sure. Marauders storylines as in-depthly. So I think yeah. I'll go with the four and a half. But the third one, you know, I still, I still always lump these first three together of like a certain quality. And then as they go on, I feel like it's a little bit different. It feels a little bit different. And this one kind of marks that shift, Yeah, but I still include it with the, with the first two. So yeah. 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 This Four is the, this is the big transition, but it, this is definitely, a f- I, I'll go with four and a half. I'm fine with that. It's not a perfect movie, but it's close. I mean, so. we don't have to be in agreement. We can do. Yeah, we have our, our own, own accounts. Scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gave fives for the first two, and you did not. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, next week it's neither of our turn. We that's are. Right. Um, we'll be back next week with the Staple Awards Year Three. We will be wrapping up our 2022 season with a live podcast, live event, pretty much the Oscars. You know how the Oscars happen in January from the years before that's us but we will be doing trivia we'll be doing rankings we'll be doing the reveal for the stapliest picture we will do the final rounds of the listener's choice so if you want to have a say in the listener's choice you only get the first couple rounds on the polls on instagram so you got to show up so yeah hit us up on instagram if you want to know we'll put some more details up on the on our story um January 21st, Saturday evening. It's going to be a blast. We hope you can make it. Um, Yeah. Turn to page 394.
Our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman, and you can find him at Groovy Bridge on Instagram. Uh, and if you want to find us on Instagram, hit us up at Inside Quotes Cast. Give us a follow, um, and stay tuned in for the listener's choice bracket for year three. Uh, we'll be doing some polls on our story, so be active on there, because we will. Uh, we just dropped some new stickers and a new staple design on our merch store, so check that out. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to leave us a good review. Five stars, and we'll sign your permission slip to visit Hogsmeade. Ooh, yep. Valuable. And we'll also read your five-star review live on the show. Because we want more reviews, because that will help us gain more listeners, and the algorithm will bump us up a little bit. So, please do that. It would mean a lot to us if you did. I thought of even one better. A five-star review, and we'll become your godfather. And you can live with us instead of the Dursleys. You can live with me now. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about our childhood just as much as we have. And if you did, make sure you hit subscribe or follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Until then, just remember, if you try the pea soup, make sure you eat it before it eats you. Don't say we didn't warn you.